show producer, Ronnie Black. Track reporter and racing insider, Nelson Crozier. Former NASCAR team manager and author, Greg Moore. Now, here's your host for Start Your Engines, racing historian and author, Perry Allen Wood. Good Saturday morning and welcome to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. And we got the whole gang here today. What's left of us. Well, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. We uh, had a two-hour show Memorial Day weekend and no show last week. So I guess it kind of evened out. And you had a long trip in between. I had a long trip. I took my in-laws back to uh, West Palm Beach and um, turned right around and drove back Saturday. So uh, And saw a one-legged bird. (laughs) I wish I had One-footed bird. Yeah, we were gassing up there at uh, Brunswick, Georgia, the halfway point, and I saw this bird hopping around. It only had one foot, Greg. Oh, good morning, Greg. How are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to be back. And uh, hopping around on one foot, and I took a picture of him. Some woman came over and said, what are you taking a picture of that bird for? And I said, well, look at him. And, you know, he only had one foot, and he was <laughs> eating crumbs and stuff. Well, Monday morning, I was having a knee replacement surgery for, oh, golly. for my right knee. And I'd be dadgum if they didn't break my right leg fixing, <laughs> replacing my right if knee. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no, no luck, luck at, all. at all. Okay, well, uh, that was pretty bad luck to get y'all started singing. But I think the bird was the omen. <laughs> I believe it was. And I've thought that, that ever since it happened. That I, was a sign. That was a sign. That was a sign. That was like if you warm up and everything, you look down, you're watching it's something bad. That's a sign. But we've got a we got a show for you today that I think is going to be pretty special. Extra special, I believe. Extra special, and I I'm going to put a lot of the the credit of this towards uh, Ronnie Black. We had talked after the show last time about how uh, uh, they used to always on Bill Drake's show, his morning show on uh, I guess that, that was W O L I F M back in uh, over to pottery after, place yeah after it was wspa it became wli he used to always have bud moore on to talk about his exploits on d-day and as everybody knows bud moore uh, well if you don't know you know not only is he a hall of fame racer but he um hit the beach at uh, utah on uh, the morning of june the 6th 1944 genuine american hero genuine american hero and so bud used to always be on bill drake's show and then when we were doing our show which back then was you know dale wilkerson's show actually uh I don't, hammer. well i don't want to say the name because i keep i don't want to say it by mistake <laughs> here like hauser did the other day on the air but uh uh we played it from uh from bill drake right uh because i just happened to be on there with bud when they did the, the d-day show and i'm not sure i was just a coincidence that i was there so i had a copy of it and we played it when we did the show from Greenville one time right. on uh and well I can't I, I I was telling Ronnie and Greg I would be a great idea to play that next next show because it's close to D Day what's the date the eighth or the ninth so we're only like D Day like plus three and uh, so we I couldn't find it I thought I knew where it was and I couldn't find it but in the meantime Ronnie saw an an advertisement for some device that would change cassette tapes over to digital right. i guess that, that analog to digital, analog is that the way to that digital. and it only costs like 20 bucks and it looks about like one of the old uh walkmans walkmans <laughs> so um so ronnie bought it well i couldn't find the bill drake show and i said well wait a minute i got something that might be better i, I was hoping to get bill drake and bud on there because it's two famous spartans that we lost but what i found was the 
tape that we did when Bud and I wrote his biography. Or actually, Bud wrote his autobiography, if you want to put it that way. And you just helped him with it. And I helped him with it. And I, what we did was um, record, I think, about 16 hour and a half cassette tapes to write that book. But there's 15 minutes there. Well, there's over 15 minutes. There's probably a good hour where he talks about his war experiences from beginning to end. But Ronnie and I met at the radio station last Sunday and um, listened to that that cassette. And we commenced to working. And went and Ronnie learned some things about the studio and himself that he didn't know. And we uh, got 15 really good solid minutes of Bud Moore telling the story of landing at D-Day. And we thought since we've already dedicated this whole year to Bud Moore, we'll right. continue to dedicate whatever our closest Saturday is to June the 6th to um, – what he did for our country and the thousands of others that that served and a lot of them awful lot of them didn't come back and after extensive research uh perry i did discover today is the ninth today is the ninth okay so we're d-day plus three but we're going to do this every year and um it sounds real good and this hasn't been heard i mean i re-listened to it when i wrote the book but after that it's been in a shoebox you know with the rest of the bud Moore tape so this is this is some new stuff that's never been broadcast at all and greg this is a a tribute to you and your dad and your the whole Moore family and we want to keep his memory alive and we will keep his memory alive as uh forever well i tell you the whole family can't be you know thank thank everybody enough of course now any of that stuff that happened on d-day was way before me that that's that's bud Moore and uh like I say, he, what he says is is is, is accurate, and uh, we're real proud of it, and the family's all proud of it. And I'm not, I never heard it either. Nobody's heard this. Yeah. I hadn't heard it because, again. You know, I when when you were doing the book on me, we done like sixteen or seventeen, and I come to your house, but with Bud, you went to the house. So I haven't heard it, but I I know it's going to be good, and I can't thank the listeners for listening, and and Perry and Ronnie for doing it, and our family thanks everybody but what this is also now i will mention that this was taped on april 30th 2015 so that's this is a three-year-old little over three-year-old tape but uh what this has opened up for us ronnie and greg is i have the second book i wrote on the independence i mean i I interviewed 12 independents three of them aren't with us anymore uh joe frisson james hilton and crawfish Kreider. but i've got all those hours and hours and so just think of what we can do now with this $20 device that Ronnie bought to, uh, to come up with some more segments, segments for the show of uh, Tommy Irwin telling the story of going to the bottom of Lake Lloyd in a 59 Thunderbird and uh, Johnny Allen going over the rail um, at Darlington and at, you know, in Atlanta. And it's just so many, so many, they're not all crashes. It's great stories of, uh, you know, the history of nascar and yeah. we've got all this at our disposal now because ronnie bought a 20 dollar device and we can have some great segments from now on yeah no doubt now, about now, it. now we've got it because you did the the research and the the interviews well, well the good, i'd say it's a group effort i, I tell you the, the good part about this is you know we've all had health problems but i i between store managers and even a guy that worked in the mri room you know, that you would think were completely non-listed, several people, they really look forward to that, that three-minute snip them or looking back situation deal that we done, we're very done. And sometimes we'd play to a show, 
and or, or want to show and kind of run through a whole bunch and we, we repeated them but this opens up that so much because those people really love that to listen to Perry's three minutes as much as they did the rest of the show so, and it depends on how today goes we may play one of the uh old race track tracks yeah That'd be well good. those silent speedways of the carolinas is what we recorded you know back yeah. in uh god those are 10 years old now yeah but they were real popular well and the tracks are just as old <laughs> i mean uh, yeah. they're older they're, they're no, they're <laughs> no more, more weeds in them they're no more they, there are they are no more active than they were 10 years ago when we did this so that the history hasn't changed and one of the most fascinating ones i think is the one from the old mccormick field in Asheville? right that's a baseball park that not many people may remember at one time hosted nascar races well we got i i mean there's a lot of on these boxes and and cassettes and and all these tapes i've got i've got a lot of people that talk about racing on that track so we could do projects this is endless what we could do with all these tapes and we're going to use them and we're going to try to you know we don't do a lot of local stuff here although i'd like to if we uh if we could get maybe a little more time but um we're we're heavy on what just happened and what's going to happen next week and the history of the sport and uh, that's the way it's going to be on this show and and we've got nelson crozier to keep us on the cutting edge at the end of the show each week to tell us uh you know what's going on and what's going to happen and we got uh greg and i to uh to talk about the history and then ronnie knows a lot of history plus we can't do without ronnie uh pushing the buttons well push your buttons turn the dials i'm your trained monkey yeah <laughs> no ronnie knows a whole lot about racing yeah and and historically and nelson's been around since 69 63 63 yeah uh, well yeah I, I i even missed that but uh yeah hi- history's uh historical racing is our main theme and uh we'll we'll occasionally get uh, a local guy on here we, we will we, we got a local drag racer that does real good and we got a, a local guy that runs super good owns a car over in gaffney and we'll have these guys on from time to time but we can't sit here and give stats you know each week we just don't have the time we don't have the time and we don't have the resources to to be in every victory lane which is i'm glad somebody can do that i'm glad that there's people that are able to handle that another mention i hope that we can get jeremy clemens on here before long oh yeah we'll get jeremy on here i saw him at uh up at james hilton's and talked to him a little uh mentioned it to uh not to him but some of his people and uh he loves coming on the show so we're going to continue to cover local racing but today we're going to dedicate to a racer but not because of his racing but it's because of what he did to help us enjoy racing and uh we uh are going to do that right as soon as we come back from the break we are listening to fox sports spartanburg start your engines Want to talk racing with the guys? Call the Sign Force Hotline now at 864 468 1400. Start Your Engine returns in a moment on Fox Sports 1400 and 983 FM. Steve and Jerry here from the world-famous Beacon Drive-In in in Spartanburg. Jerry, the Beacon opened back in 1946. How many years have we been serving great food at great prices? A plenty. Seventy years? How many folks are we still serving every week? A plenty. Well, like you always say, I like my job, but I love my customers. But can you say something other than a plenty? Call it. Join Steve and Jerry at the world-famous Beacon Drive-In, John White Boulevard in Spartanburg, where the food is still always good since 1946. 
Speedy Lube in Inman says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman, lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASC certified mechanical service for your car. Be it an oil change, AC work, tires, brakes, front end, or any type of major or minor repair. Trust Speedy Lube in Inman. Open weekdays from 8 till 6. For fast, fair, and friendly service, visit Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman. If you've ever wondered what something you own is worth, the Spartanburg Historical Association and Brunk Auctions can help you find out. Bring your items to the Spartanburg Regional History Museum Saturday, June 23rd, and Brunk Auctions will appraise them for just $10 apiece. Association members can do so from 10 to noon by appointment. The event is open to the general public from noon till 3. For more information, visit SpartanburgHistory.org. Brunk Auctions does not provide written valued appraisals. Consultations are informal verbal auction estimates for personal knowledge. Dan Patrick. I'm looking for my fix of the Dan Patrick Show on the radio. This man, hello, is Dan Patrick. I'm one of the best three-point shooting talking heads. And you know when it comes to the biggest guests in Spartanburg sports. Former South Carolina head coach Steve Spurrier. Dan Patrick. Weekdays at 9 on Spartanburg's Fox Sports 1400. Now on FM at 98.3. The new way was new way back in 1938, and it's still going strong today. With quick service for lunch, sandwiches, sides, and your favorite beverage. And no trip to the new way is complete without trying their original redneck cheeseburger or redneck nachos made with the new way's homemade famous pimento cheese the new way has lunch specials mondays tuesdays and wednesdays try the new way's specialty sandwiches including their grown-up grilled cheese the new way still going strong after nearly 80 years 373 east kennedy street look for the pbr sign and the big red door it's the call nobody wants to make your home or business has water or fire damage or mold let service master of the upstate make that call a little easier service master of the upstate stores homes and businesses alike if you've been hit with mold or fire or water damage call today at 582-3451 service master of the upstate also cleans carpets rugs and hard surface flooring make that call a little easier call dyer and amanda jennings at service master of the upstate 582-3451 582-3451 wancho's bar and grill on McCreevy drive in spartanburg is now open for lunch and dinner Located next door to Wilkins Opticians in the old Corona's location at 404 McCreevy Drive, Wancho's offers Mexican cuisine. Enjoy their lunch specials from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day, including Saturdays. Also on Saturdays, Wancho's features their plate of house Juanito Fajita special. And after a long day of work, stop in for a daily drink special from 4 to 7, including 199 margaritas on Mondays and Tuesdays. Wancho's 404 McCreevy Drive on Spartanburg's east side. Close Sundays. Hey, this is Ryan Clary. Catch the Spartanburg Vikings every Friday night this fall on the home of the Vikings, Fox Sports 1400, now on FM at 98.3. Welcome back to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg 1400 and 98.3 FM. I'm just real tickled to do this, and I can't wait to hear it. Oh, I know, because I want to hear it, too, because I didn't listen to all of it while we were working on it. We were, um, we usually a lot of times will shoot the bull. Of course, we don't have too many pre-recorded things, but this is one I think we all three want to hear, and I hope our listeners will enjoy this. This was uh, when I wrote the book uh, about Bud Moore, country mechanic from Daytona to D-Day, or, or something like that. I'm not even sure what the name of it is, the Bud Moore story. And uh, we... Um, sat down on april the 30th 2015 in his kitchen right there on the kitchen counter and i had my cassette and greg was there greg was in on all the interviews and um we 
talked about something that Bud Moore is very reluctant to discuss, which was his war experiences. And uh, it took him a long time to to, to come forward about it because he, he battled nightmares and a lot of things. And to finally get him to discuss it, uh, I felt was a really a really great thing that he honored me with with being the one that he talked to plus the fact that we uh still have this stuff and it's never been heard so without further ado let's cue this up and go back to bud moore when he was uh um 90 years old when he did this interview and he's going to tell us about bud moore about his experiences at d-day and uh actually he's going to start off a day or two before this is whenever they're talking about we was going to make a dry run on, on the beach in England and all this kind of stuff. So they had the guys waterproof all the jeeps and the trucks and do all this stuff, you know. And then they loaded us up and took us back, back down to Liverpool. And they put us all on, put, put our whole platoon on this LCI 149. I know we'll forget the number. So it now, how many people was on that? Well, I don't know exactly, but I know our whole platoon was, first platoon was. So it hold a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> we uh, we sat there the rest of the day, and then it moved, next morning it moved away from the dock and just moved out a little bit, and uh, this was about June the 1st, I think it was, maybe June the 2nd when they loaded us. So the, the ne that morning of June the 2nd, I think it was, no, June the let me get my day straight here. We got on that ship on June the, June the 3rd. That's when it was. And we sat there the rest of that night. So the next morning we moved out into the English Channel. And they kept pulled us out there and got out there, you know. And they, we went out there so far. And we got out there and it, when they was moving, walked out there and all you see was ships. They were thousands of them. I said, boys, y'all need to come up here and look. <laughs> what do you mean? I said, this ain't no damn dry run, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Something else is going on here. <laughs> so the evening of June the 4th, about, I guess, 3 or 4 o'clock that afternoon, the PT boat pulled up beside our ship. And they, two or three officers got off to come aboard. And they had this map. And they put hooked this map up and pulled it down. Started talking to us about it. They boys, now here's where we're gonna land. Here's what we're gonna do, and all this stuff. And I said, boys, this ain't no die run. That's goddamn English coast. I mean, Francis coast. They were showing us exactly where we were going in. Well, we didn't know all this, but what they did. They took our regiment out of the 359th Infantry Regiment and attached us to the 4th Infantry Division to make the assault on Utah Beach. Well, our regiment and the two regiments out of the 4th Infantry Division made the assault and the other regiment, 4th was in reserve. So they said this is all going to happen in the morning. So anyway, this was June the evening of June the 4th. So it was called off account of the weather. The weather was bad. And it's raining, cloudy, and all this stuff. So anyway, they called it off. So again, on uh, the evening of June the 5th, I guess it was about 7 or 8 o'clock, here comes that PT boat again. 
pulled upside down. And they come on board again and said, boys, five o'clock in the morning. If you remember seeing maybe the patterns and movies and all, it, it, it never was noticed that they got the notice to about eight or nine o'clock that night. Mm -hmm. <coughs> anyway, we so we got our notice that it, it was about I seven or eight o'clock part of know. I don't know for sure. So the next morning, it was about three o'clock in the morning, these damn landing craft pulled up. We climbed aboard them. And we went out through the ships and we got out there and we could see the shoreline, the lights and all the shoreline. We were between the battle wagons and the shore. It was still dark. Still dark. And we, we were just circling out there. And we were probably 30 minutes ahead of landing. And we were probably three quarters of a mile, maybe a mile still at sea. <clears throat> when all hell broke loose. That's when all them big battle wagons and all them big 16 inches on them things started firing and lighting up the shoreline, man. They blasted the hell out of the shoreline and all this stuff. And y'all were between it, we between were, the battleships? We were the, between the battleships and them. And uh, so, because they wanted us to see the minute they quit firing, Rusty hit the beach. So anyway, all this was going on, and uh, that we we talked Thank to you. one another, and uh, I said, "Boys, they, this is going to be a piece of cake. There ain't nobody be alive over there." And from what we were seeing, by it being still partially dark, <laughs> and the way all the explosion was going on. So anyway, <clears throat> just. We just, they, we, they knew that the, when the, we were to move on in. And after about 15 minutes, I'd say, or 20 minutes of firing, all them guns firing, then we started moving towards the shore. And which them big shells going right over our heads when we was going in. And all of a sudden, they stopped, and we were probably oh, a quarter mile from shore. We went in. And what happened when we got there and going in in our landing craft, the landing craft supposed to go in and let the front end down where it wouldn't be in water but about two foot deep. The Germans started shooting artillery into them. They wasn't putting any artillery on the beach, it was all landing out in the ocean to stop the boats from coming in. There's hitting sometimes there's, the, there's some boats that got hit the whole load to get to get up whole boat of them. Anyway, when that boy landed ours, we went down. We went off and we was in water up over the shoulder. And then, I'm going to tell you, ain't no telling. They said there was quite a few. They said I heard after the war and everything else that we lost probably 30 or 40 got drowned. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. <clears throat> but anyway, I got off and stepped in a shell hole. With that tripod on my shoulder and my backpack and all, and I had a hard time getting out of that shell hole and water over my head. I was taking in water and doing all this, and finally I got out of it, and I just kept going straight as I could go to get to the beach, and I was spitting up water and doing this, you know, trying to... You still to had your tripod? Oh, yeah, I still had it. 
I didn't let it go. I kept it. Anyway, I got over on, finally got across the beach, sat down behind the sand dune, and finally coughed up enough water and got to where I started breathing a little bit. <clears throat> and about this time I heard someone say, oh, let's go, let's get going here. I said, God damn, I'm trying. <laughs> but what got me, you know, is all the stuff that's going on and guys getting hurt and all this stuff, you know, and here I am. I just, you know, just turned 19 years old and uh, born raised. Now, I was brought up a little bit different to you and start killing one another and all this stuff. And guys getting shot and hurt and blowed up and everything else. I said, this ain't no place for me. I shouldn't be in here. But then you had to realize it was war. So we got in, we fought on in the rest of the day. So while y'all were coming across the beach, there, there was, I mean, the, the bombs were blowing up and I mean, they were, they, they were, they were they, they fighting back pretty hard. The, we didn't have much small arm fire. No. Okay. They was, there was mostly artillery coming in. Okay. And it was landing out in the water. Okay. There wasn't anything landing on the beach. All right. And it, no, none of the. You see the pillboxes and things. No, I didn't have, we didn't okay. have pillboxes. Okay. I went in on Utah Beach. Right. We didn't have pillboxes. Omaha's one had pillboxes. Mm -hmm. And that's what was wrong to start with. Whoever planned that thing didn't have no business doing what they did. You see, here's Omaha. Here's Utah. We were probably two miles a bit above them. Mm -hmm. All they do is move us up and we never went in there. Mm -hmm. They went in the hardest place. The 29th Infantry Division went in on Omaha, and they say that uh, they wasn't over 40 or 50 walked away. Mm. They wiped the whole thing. Mm. But anyway, they uh, we went on the rest of the day, and uh, we got in. I'm going to say we got in that night probably a quarter mile, maybe half a mile. I don't know. But you had some cover, right? I mean, it was like trees and things. Oh, yeah, we had trees and yeah. all this stuff going in, and, and uh, we got into the hedgerows. You know what the hedgerows were? Yes, sir, I do. But anyway, <clears throat> we got in that night. You know, it didn't get dark over at 11 o'clock. Mm. And it's just getting dust dark, and we had dug in our foxhole and dug in, you know, for the night in, in a defensive position. Had the machine gun set up and everything, the foxhole, and me and second gunner was in this foxhole. Anyway, we heard the dead blackest room in you heard. We heard all these airplanes coming. I said, boys, we in deep trouble now. Them Germans gonna blow our butt slam off this damn beat. So we were just scared to death, I'll be frank with you. And about that time we'd seen the moon was shining. We could see a little bit. Here they come over, and it was airplanes coming. That's when they dropped the 82nd and 101st Airborne right in front of us. We seen them coming down. They were probably three or four miles ahead of us. So they were coming in from the ocean. They were coming from in from the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, they dropped the paratroopers in front of us. And all these guns firing up, and all these. Uh, flares and everything else going on, you know, and ain't, ain't no telling how many Empire Troopers were dead before they ever got to the ground. Mm -hmm. But anyway, <clears throat> so that made us feel a little better. <laughs> but so the next day, we had very little resistance the next day. 
after we drove in to where the paratroopers were. We run at the paratroopers. And, uh, which, uh, the Germans couldn't stand the paratroopers being in, behind them and us pushing them in front. Mm -hmm. So they went this way. So what really had us worried and all this stuff, you know, Omaha was still blocked. And finally they, they said something about it, says, well, they don't know yet, Eisenhower may call us back because Omaha wasn't going in, so we didn't know what was happening there. But finally they did get something of the broke loose over there on Omaha and they got off the beach and got going on that side and got things going. So anyway, <clears throat> now let me ask you a question right here, and I don't want to ruin your train of thought, but I just, <clears throat> if I don't say these things, I'll forget them. Oh, no. uh, all the way through your training, like from Mississippi to, to New Jersey to, to work to the beach, was there, were you with the same bunch of guys? I mean, did you have friends that, that you know, like, uh, did you have like a best friend or, or, well, or we people had, that, that we you had were? Our, we had our, y'all been together a long time now. Well, see, we'd, we'd been to see from the time we hit New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And we joined the 9th Infantry Division, joined the 1st Platoon out of 359th Infantry Regiment. Mm -hmm. We were we were all friends then. Right. Because, see, we took training and all together right. and all this stuff. So we're the, all the ones still hit the beach together. Right. And we all, you know, uh, all our gunners and 1st gunners, 2nd gunners, and 2nd platoon, 1st platoon, and all this kind of stuff. See, we're all was, was one unit. Right. See what happened on our deal, see the first platoon, if A company or B, whichever one, the rifle, you had A, B, and C company. That's mm -hmm. three rifle companies in a battalion. Well, if these two companies are on the front line, then first platoon would be with this one and second platoon would be with this one. With water. So we joined them on the front line. Because, mm -hmm. see, we had water cool water machine guns. Right. Then our 81 millimeter mortar, they sit back here behind us, and they they help uh, uh, mortar fire and all whatever needed mm -hmm. back here to, for these two companies, whichever whatever they were. And see, our third platoon had observers and all mortar the guys were observing up there when they needed mortar fire, and then they call back and he directed. Okay, but I mean, but you had like pals, you had you had friends. Oh yeah, okay. we had friends and all okay. this. Well, that, that, that's that's what I wanted. I mean, it wasn't like you were with a bunch of strangers. No, these, no, these were like we your were, brothers. No, no, we were we were all we were all been together from the time we got to Fort Dix, New Jersey. Okay. That no, was my question. But anyway, all right. So go ahead. I didn't mean to. I just wanted to. But uh, after you know going in and meeting the paratroopers and fighting through the Zigbee line, not the Zigbee line, but fighting through the hedgerows mm -hmm. and, and all this. And what was so bad, you know, is see where the gliders came in, you know, and the Germans is, and had the French labor set these big piece, half of the trees up in all this open field. And these gliders thought they were open. They'd come in and fly all the pieces. I mean, it's, a lot of guys got hurt bad. I mean, they ain't telling how many got killed on that deal coming mm -hmm. in. But anyway, <clears throat> you know, seeing all this kind of stuff, you know, was bad. Did you see the gliders coming over? Oh yeah, uh, th that was they came over when the paratroopers yeah. came over. Oh okay. yeah, they all landed the same. Time. All right, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Go ahead. But anyway, as we fought on through then and went on through the Zigbee line and then uh, I mean the the hedgerows and all this time, 
So finally, we was in this little town called Pierre, France. We had taken it, and there's a crossroad. And uh, Pierre's here in St. Louis up here, 10 miles away. And I had a machine gun set up in a second floor of a hotel, right guarding this, this crossroad right there. And uh, word came down and said, uh, there's going to be a lot of aircraft just showing up today and going to be a lot of bombing going. And there that, was a lot of bomb and a lot of aircraft. But isn't that unbelievable that the way he remembered that? Wow. And um, God bless Bud Moore and, and all those guys that went over there and fought for us and so didn't come did back. Not come back. Didn't come back, which is what Memorial Day was about. But that's a little bit of the hours and hours I've got of uh, of Bud Moore, and we'll we'll do some more on him throughout the year i mean he's got some he's got some pretty funny stories too about the about capturing the headquarters single-handedly with a with a jeep driver and all those german officers but that's just that's just a fantastic story and i want to keep that uh tradition going of of playing bud moore's d-day landing every every year about now yeah i tell you that that still got i never did hear that when i know i was there but you know lots of times i'd go and pick up our dinner to go i i I've heard that gets, I'm still got chills from it because I haven't heard that particular interview. Uh, like I say, that there's more of it, but, uh, but what's I, interesting I, is, I, is you can hear him rubbing the kitchen counter and, and he'll yeah. start tapping it like that, like the mortars were hitting over here. But that's, that's, that's him making those noises, you know, but he, he's almost the whole time is just sliding his hand around on top of that, top of that kitchen counter. But I'm glad we were able to do that. Uh, we've got a lot of possibilities for doing other things like like uh, like listening to the, the legends tell the stories. And when we come back, we're going to talk to, a, if he's not already a legend, he's going to be Mr. Nelson Crozier and talk about what happened last week and how things are going on up at Michigan. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. Like to be up a little later than the missus? Yeah, me too. Hey, you love sports and so do we. So much so that we decided to keep it going locally till well past midnight. And wouldn't you know it, the suits have elected me, KB, as the mayor of late nights here in the Sparkle City. Stay up late with me, KB, weeknights at 11, only on Fox Sports 1400. Now on FM at 98.3. Sure, it's easy to jump on the internet and search for financial information. But what happens when you run into conflicting articles and need to separate fact from fiction? That's where Trent Lancaster can help. Trent is an investment professional at Janney Montgomery Scott, located right here in the Spartanburg office, who will take the time to answer all of your investment questions. Trent can help you develop a personalized financial planning strategy with the flexibility to adapt to your changing needs. Trent can also help you with estate planning, setting up trusts, income for retirement, and legacy planning for the next generation. Call Trent today for a complimentary portfolio review at 864-585-8282. That's 585-8282 or visit TrentLancaster.com. Jenny Montgomery Scott, LLC, member FINRA, NYSE, and SIPC. 
Speedy Lube in Inman says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman, lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASE certified mechanical service for your car. Be it an oil change, AC work, tires, brakes, front end, or any type of major or minor repair. Trust Speedy Lube in Inman. Open weekdays from 8 till 6. For fast, fair, and friendly service, visit Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman. Here comes lunchtime. Do you know that unlike some barbecue places, Bubba's Barbecue and Bash has ribs for lunch every day. Bubba's also has great burgers, pulled pork, calabash chicken, all of your favorite sides, and some of the best sauce around. Top it off with Bubba's famous banana pudding or a slice of pecan pie for dessert, and you'll make Bubba's your barbecue home. Bubba's Barbecue and Bash, 827 West Blackstock Road, just a half mile from Westgate Mall. Have lunch at Bubba's today. There's no points racing here. Greg, Perry, Ronnie, and Nelson are racing to win. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports 1498.3 FM. If you're in the market for a job in manufacturing or distribution, or you run a business and are in need of employees in fields ranging from small-scale construction to large mechanical contracting to manufacturing, packaging, and warehousing, then let CRS help. CRS has been a reliable bridge that runs in both directions for employers and job seekers. Get your next great search started today. Call CRS at 336-2405, stop by 337 Spartan Green Boulevard in Duncan, or online at crshighright.com. We spend a lot of time in our cars, so make that time well spent with the help from Elite Audio. Elite Audio on Asheville Highway can upgrade your sound system, add a navigation system, customize your interior, and does custom tires and wheels. And check this out. Elite Audio offers 90 days same as cash with no credit check. All you need is an active checking account and proof of appointment. Visit EliteAudioOnline.com or drop by 1504 Asheville Highway in Spartanburg. At Elite Audio, you dream it, we build it. Charlie Green. Charlie Granger's world-famous hot dogs, brisket, and barbecue is now open in Greer. Charlie Granger's offers the upstate 19 different types of gourmet hot dogs, ranging from the traditional to the adventurous, all served with the freshest ingredients. Charlie Granger's mouth-watering beef brisket brings out the best possible flavor in every bite. Charlie Granger's features quality service and a fun atmosphere. Open Monday through Saturday for lunch and dinner, and Sundays from 11 to 2, located on Highway 14 in Greer. Want to text the show? Download our app to use the Elite Audio text line. Search Fox Sports 1400 either at the Apple Store or via Google Play now. Nelson Crozier is trackside and ready to go. What's going on at this week's big race? Let's go live to Nelson now. Good morning. How are you this morning? Oh, doing pretty good. Is there uh, some weather trouble up there? Uh, we've had showers and they're still drying the track, but we uh, we hope we'll get on uh, pretty soon to do uh, another cup practice. Well, they're uh, they're hauling the mail. I'll mm-hmm. say that for them. I see where uh, uh, the pole went at two hundred and three miles an hour. I think the first three qualifiers were at two hundred three. That's uh, that's pretty fast. Well, you had nine. Uh, 18 qualifiers were over 200 mile an hour, but first push going into turn one on his qualifying lap was over 219 mile an hour. Over 200 and what? 219 going Good. into turn one. Gracious. That's getting on Let me check. It. 
Yeah, that's fast. 219 miles an hour. I mean, that's a – so why aren't they jumping up and down and hollering to put a to put con, con, a restrictor place there rather than someplace like Charlotte? Who knows? I mean, you know, uh, somebody thinks they've got a better idea nowadays. Uh, if they slow the course down to 180, you're going to see a whole lot better racing. Well, I see that uh, – you got a pretty good disparity here. That's um, the slowest qualifier is 186, and uh, with my calculations, that's like a, about a 17 mile an hour difference between uh, first and uh, and 39th. So, I mean, I don't know yeah, if that, that's going to three seconds difference. Yeah, I don't know that that'll cause a problem, but that is that is a pretty pretty big discrepancy there. Yeah, no, you've always had a dis- uh, you know, disparity like that, so you know I don't think that's a problem. Yo. Know, if he was going 150 and, and the other ones are going 200, yeah, that might be a problem. But, you know, uh, uh, if it's less than 25 mile an hour difference, I don't think it's a problem. Nelson, what, what cars actually wound up? I, I watched some of it, but uh, what cars wound up actually in the top 10? I never did see a final rundown. In other uh, words, uh, where is Menard? Uh, Menard just barely missed uh, the cutoff point. He's uh, <clears throat> 15th. But he was still over 200 mile an hour. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, he is, uh, you know, just about a half a second behind. Uh, uh, Kyle Busch made up a half a second on his uh, final qualifying lap. So, you know, it's kind of strange. But, you know, Kurt was strong every run. Brad is very strong. Uh, you know, I think you had seven of the top ten are fours. Uh, That's good. I like that. Most definitely. Well, is Chevrolet yeah. hitting the panic button yet? I mean, you know, they're not they're well, not getting much ink this year so far. No, Ryan Newman was the fastest at eleven. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, the Fords, all of them get their motors from uh, Roush Yates, and you know, Roush. You know him, him and Yates uh, know a whole lot, and uh, what Jack said about the Fords was uh, when, when we interviewed him, and plus he was down for Diddy's deal. But uh, he said they got plenty of power, but he says his trouble is just the communication between it, that the ones that are struggling with Fords is communication between the driver and the car chief or crew chief. But they, he said they got power, and I told him I said this was for they downside the uh, Venturis. To knock them back to about 750. But I told him, I said, Well, Doug said they're seeing over about 903 before they, they, they restrict them. Ralph said, No, we had some a whole lot better than that. Mm-hmm. So that but they got power. Right. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, <clears throat> I think, you know, Chevrolet being a new model uh, body style this year, uh, and on paper it looked great, but it just is not performing, uh, you know, without all the little. Uh, tweaks that they can make within the rules they're still learning about. Ford having you know, an older body style, even though uh, on paper it's not as good, uh, with all the tweaks that you, uh, they've learned to do over the past three or four years, uh, and the fact that they were legal uh, you know, in the uh, you know, laser inspection station uh, where some of the other cars were trying to you know, either push the limit or the laser wasn't quite set up properly for it. Uh, 
you know, they've had to work a lot harder to get through inspection. Speaking of inspection, did we have any uh, any uh, controversies coming out of last week from the post-race inspections, or anybody have trouble getting through inspection this week at Michigan? Nobody nobody had problems getting through this week. Last week, uh, I did not hear any penalties uh, you know, handed down, but I'm sure there were a couple of minor ones. Well, it's, uh, it's good race, to... I think it was... I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, post-race, one loose lug nut, I think, was the only thing they found. Yeah, well, what I was going to say is I think it's a good thing. It's, maybe it's progress that the the story of the day is not the inspection it's rather than it's the racing. So that's uh, – I don't like it when the big story is, uh, you know, some guy getting a $50,000 $50, fine and laid off for a month because of, uh, you know, something that he, I don't really see where he had all that much control over, so – um, no, I mean, especially uh, Kyle Larson at Dover, uh, I believe it was, uh, you know, when the car got damaged, uh, you know, in a collision. And uh, they said, oh, no, you know, uh, the rear windows warped, uh, you know, no exceptions. I mean, you know, you got to use common sense on it. Well, you got to have exceptions, exceptions to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Nelson, I, I was wondering, now, You've been around a long time, and you've you've seen you've seen about everything. Uh, is this like? Uh, I mean, do you see a transition going on here between one thing and another thing? I mean, or do you feel like we're in the middle of something right here that's going to work itself out? Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, you know, five years ago, everybody was talking about IndyCar. You know, uh, uh, the uh, death bell had already rung. Uh, you know, and, and they were done for. Now they're coming back. They're real strong. They sent cars home from Indianapolis for the first time in a number of years. Uh, I think NASCAR is going through a similar curve, but they're a little bit, you know, uh, I don't want to say further behind, but on the curve, uh, IndyCar had problems before NASCAR, and now they're on the upswing. Uh, NASCAR, uh, you know, was more stable for longer, so... You know, they're about a year or two behind IndyCar on, on the upswing. Uh, were there a lot of changes that should have been made? Probably. They should have been made sooner, but at least now they're trying. Uh, right. And, you know, like your friend said, Wait, we'll try this. If it doesn't work, we'll try something else. Yeah. And for a while, I think everybody was afraid to try something. Uh, now they're trying, and, you know, when you try different things, you're going to find the right combination, and things are going to work well. Yeah, uh, uh, Nelson, you're exactly right. I, I think it's a, it is a transition thing, and it's, it's good that you noted about the open wheel, where where they had they struggled, they had a struggling point. NASCAR struggling points a little a little different, but um, they like I say, and I, and I was talking down at NASCAR, seeing who was gonna was gonna interview next, would be Helton was trying to, or maybe the garage guy, but uh, they are trying and. But they, I guess, probably the only things that there's a few things that confuse the fans. I think the the segment racing confuses, but but people are warming up to it. And and uh, like I say, the, the street cars you drive are all aerodynamic, computer wise, and everything. So it, it has to go through a transition. So I think that the fact that they're trying and open minded more now than they were. Four or five years ago is a plus. I got to tell you that 
as far as last Memorial Day went, I, I did the triple header. I watched Monte Carlo, which was a good race. I did the, one of the big headlines come out of that was uh, uh, Tom Brady throwing passes on yachts out in the out in the Mediterranean there. But when I watched Indianapolis with all the pomp and ceremony and uh, no segments, two hundred. 20 mile an hour speeds and just an exciting race. I wouldn't say it's the best Indy I've ever seen, but it was, it was fast and exciting. And then you go to the 600 and some guy leads 377 to 400 laps. I mean, that's, there's a pretty big excitement difference there for me. Let down. I did the exact same thing. Unbelievable. Well, last week uh, at Belle Isle for the Indy race, I think most exciting thing that happened there, the vice president of GM, (laughs) Uh, crashed the Corvette pace car. Right. And did you see what I, I, I loved what General Motors, some suit said that, uh, well, you've got to take into consideration the, the weather and the driving conditions. And I said, yeah, it was clear and dry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. I didn't Well, I didn't somebody, see was trying to, somebody else was trying to defend him and say, yeah, he came off a left hand turn and there was a hump and he unloaded the, uh, the rear suspension on the car. Well, hey. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was just, that was crazy. Uh, I didn't really see that hump they were. I watched that several times. Before time gets away from us, though, Nelson, let's get your picks for this week with these 219-mile-an-hour speeds dropping off down into the turns. That's amazing. Who who, who you like? We didn't have a uh, winner last week. and Well, last week we didn't do it. We didn't have a winner on a more Memorial Day. Right. Uh, I think I'm going to uh, take the two car this week. All right, Nelson uh, takes Bad Brad, and uh, I know who uh, I know who Greg's taken, and uh, that car has the most wins and the most poles of anyone, uh, you know, with David Pearson and the Wood Brothers car. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. So you you're know, taking he's, he's got like you're sticking with Menard. I'm taking the yeah. two, uh, and uh, you know, Greg's taking Menard. Ronnie, what do you think? I'm going with the 18 today. 18. Well, he looks like he's a. It's like 18 and 78 and four are just about gonna dominate it unless somebody steps in there. I'm gonna. Well, now uh, you know Kurt is, is leading the pack right now. Is, is in practice, I think, isn't he? Well, he won the pole yeah. at 203, and um, he's uh He's, but I'm, I'm still going with his brother. Yeah. Okay. Well, to get mine in there real quick, I'm going to do Logano. Uh, I think Penske's on a roll just in general right now. He's winning about everything. Well, top three positions uh, in qualifying the Texas for tonight. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, that's uh, um, I remember one year, a couple of years ago, weren't they getting uh, dizzy or something? They were going around that track so fast. That's uh, That'll be at 8 o'clock tonight to see the indy cars at uh texas and uh, it's uh, once again it's something to see yeah we have no shortage of racing on television uh you know for the past few and the few upcoming weeks well nelson tell me now um well you, you you're at michigan right right okay well it's glad to see you getting back out to all the tracks i know it wasn't why one for a while there you weren't making them all and uh and then next week, we go to Sonoma. Is that correct? Well, no, we skip this week, and then the follow, uh, following week, we go to Sonoma. Okay, which is where Bud Moore picked up his last win, and um, I know that it has a special place for Greg and, and Bud Moore Engineering. Yeah, it really is. It, it uh, You know, Wodine won our last race, and uh, really, Dottenbach 
had it won. That was that was memorable in '96, and we had some good runs with Trans Am cars. So road course is always a pretty good place for us. But we'll try to we're going to try to get Dottom back or or Bodine to come on. And, uh, maybe, well, when you all ran Trans Am cars, you were pretty close to unbeatable. Well, yeah, yeah. '69 we we pretty but but too but they had Firestone had trouble with the tires and. Parnelli got mad at him, and Bud got mad at him, and uh, you know Firestone and Ford real close, so we kept hollering for them to fix the tires. Well, in '70 they fixed them, they fixed them good. They were at least as good as a good year, maybe a tick better. But uh, in 1970 it wasn't even really close. But we, right. we were speaking, we were uh, speaking of tires, the new right side and left side tires in Michigan this week. New ones. Must right. Some good ones. Uh, yeah, it should be interesting. You know, uh, they seem to, uh, you know, not wear as much uh, during a run. You know, Goodyear is always between a rock and a hard place. NASCAR tells them we want, you know, this much fall off. We want to last just this many laps and whatever. And Goodyear seems to come up with what they want. But, uh, you know, Brad did the tire test, and he, he wasn't real happy. Nelson, let me ask you now. We've only got like 30 seconds, so I want to make this quick. But do you sure. have any knowledge about what's with uh, – I see Brad Smith and the ARCA still racing, and it's it's uh, James Hilton numbers and everything, and it says Brad Smith Motorsports. I mean, is he pretty much taking over that operation or temporarily, or can you in 20 seconds tell us what's going on? Yeah, I I think that's what's happened, and uh, Terry Strange is doing uh, you know much better. He's had the operations, and uh, you know he's on the mend. Okay, well oh. that's good. Yeah, we need to keep up with that and, uh, and keep Terry in our prayers because he's uh, boy he must. I know he's having it rough right now. Nelson, you keep it dry, keep out of the water. Uh, I hope you don't have a rain problem up there, and uh, uh, set for a good weekend of racing. Thanks for coming on. Sounds good. All right, that's Nelson Crozier, our expert at the scene, and uh, I'll keep saying it every week. He's the best. Ronnie? Oh, absolutely, he's the best. And and I say every week, he's the smartest man I know. (laughs) He is. I have to agree. No doubt about it. Greg, what do you think about anything? Well, I think today's show makes the Moore family real proud. And uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, what Nelson had to say about the comparison. Uh, the Indy cars, I will say one thing, that, you know, the Indy cars are definitely coming off Indianapolis 500 and jumping on 600. That was a little disappointing. Well, it happens every year, though. I mean, I just, yeah, I don't know. I just, but just but, when I think I'm warming up the segments, I'm not warmed up to them anymore. That's right. Well, NASCAR is trying now. Well, they try. Well, you know, the thing that's going to bail them out is getting a new owner, uh, somebody to buy NASCAR and we, um, We'll just have to wait and stand by. We'll be on next Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, no matter what happens. And uh, uh, we'll talk about Texas and Michigan and everything. And Perry, you convalesce and get better, man. Well, I'm going to try to stay off my feet just as soon as I can get off my feet. Yeah, get better. <laughs> All right. That's every- a big deal. Everybody take it easy. Have a good week. And remember to keep it between the fences. You've been listening to Start Your Engines. Tune in each Saturday morning at 10 during the season for the very latest in auto racing news, interviews, and guests from around the sport. To find out more or order Perry Allen Woods books on motorsports, visit McFarlandBooks.com.
Start Your Engines has been a presentation of Fox Sports Spartanburg, LLC.